So obviously, the church here at St. Joe's looks rather different than it did last Sunday. It's the case churches all over the world, probably. I have this theory that the reason a lot of folks show up for Mass on Easter who haven't been there for a long time and then never come back is because they go home and they say, man, you can never get a seat in that church. So why bother? But I'd like to suggest that the readings we have today are the perfect readings for the Sunday after Easter. And in particular, they're the very readings that all the people who were here last week, who aren't here this week, need to hear. But they don't need to hear them here in the church today, because it's probably not familiar territory to them. They need to hear these readings, or at least the spirit of these readings, from you, the ones who are here week in and week out. And here's what I mean. Yes, it's Thomas reading, and it's hard to get our minds off of that and think of anything else, but I'd like to draw our attention to the beginning of what I think is, in some ways, the perfect New Testament reading for us who are living in post-resurrection days. And I mean the beginning of the book of Revelation. Because that is a book written by someone who is living in the midst of a very rough time in his local church. And he's writing to a group of other communities that are living in the midst of very tough times for their church. Tough times in the church are not unique to us. It's gone on and on through the generations. But notice how he opens that book. That book which is intended to be a book of encouragement. Yes, it has all kinds of crazy symbolism, and it's easy to lose sight of the message because of that. You can do a good Bible study and, and unpack all that symbolism. But right at the beginning, it's crystal clear what he's saying. He's saying, I, John, am sharing with you, and he's writing to seven different church communities who are struggling. He says, I share with you three very important things. I share your distress, I share the kingdom, and I share endurance with you. Now that last one, endurance, maybe you could translate that a little bit better. It doesn't just mean grit your teeth and stick it out. It means something like live into the situation. Don't be full of despair, but actually have hope in the midst of what it is that's distressing. Every person who was here last week, who isn't here now, just like every one of us, has something in our lives that's distressing. And it doesn't have to be a huge thing necessarily, but this side of paradise, we've all got something that we're struggling with. And think about it. If it causes distress, it has the danger of evolving into despair. It has the danger of being something that just saps hope and joy from our hearts and minds. Every one of us has something like that. My hope for you is that for you it's relatively light and small, but in a room this size, some of us have some pretty heavy things on our horizon or that we're in the midst of. And why is it that somebody would come to Mass on Easter and maybe never come back? Well, let's be brutally honest. It's because there's something that they experienced on that day that didn't speak to their distress. And they had yet one more piece of data that said to them, what's the point? Why are you always telling me about the love of God? Why are you telling me this is the good news? Why are you telling me I ought to be in church more often? It's not making the slightest bit of difference in my marriage, with my health, in my job, my depression, 
the thing that I'm struggling with, whatever the source of my distress is. Yeah, when you show up once in a while and it's unfamiliar territory, we probably shouldn't be surprised that that's the result. But what we say is the good news is not speaking to their distress. It's not leading to their endurance. It's not giving them a reason that even though externally things haven't magically changed by the love of God, nevertheless, there is reason for them to not lose hope, to still have an experience of joy and love, even when lots of other things maybe are falling apart. So what's the connection? What's the connection between distress that John very honestly acknowledges? He says, man, we are in the thick of it, boys and girls. Things are really looking bleak. What's the connection between that and the endurance that he nevertheless shares with these churches he's writing to? It's the middle point. It literally is the linchpin. And that's the kingdom, which to those folks who were just there last Sunday and saw no reason to come back, kingdom schmingdom, a, a big deal. What does that mean? The kingdom of God. Yeah, I've heard that one since second grade religion class. But for John, it really looked like something. And for his communities, it looked like something. It was something they could hold on to. Now go to Thomas in the locked room. Thomas knew distress. He knew that he wanted some peace in the midst of the turmoil after Jesus seemingly was gone forever. There's a reason they were afraid in the locked room. They had plenty to be afraid of. And they had plenty of reason to think they'd been left and abandoned. Isolation, I would argue, is one of the most terrifying things we ever experience in life. I've seen folks put up with an awful lot of pain as long as they knew they were in it together with someone who loved them. And so there's Thomas with his distress. Don't tell him about endurance. Don't tell him about a reason for hope because he didn't have what the others did. And so when Thomas turns up the second time, they share with him what the kingdom looks like. We have seen the Lord, they say. And that looks like something there. They're in this community. They're in this community and they're no longer gripped by the fear. They're in this community now and maybe the door is unlocked. It's just the very beginning, but the kingdom looks like something and they want to share it with their friend. That's what I mean when I say these are the perfect readings for the people who aren't hearing them today. These are the perfect readings for those who were here last week thinking they'll never come back. It's our job to look them in the eye and say, we have seen the Lord. And let me tell you what that looks like. Okay, I get it. Right now, you're not ready to come back to Mass. There is a seat for you, but you're not ready to come back. But let me tell you what it means that we have seen the Lord. And here, each one of us has a different way of unpacking that. The very fact that you seek them out and tell them is a beautiful manifestation of the kingdom. Maybe you know they're in the grip of despair or cynicism or hopelessness. You don't have to give them the bulletin and say, hey, get to church next week. Just the very fact that you're there. And you translate it into language that they might be more comfortable with, at least in the beginning. We have seen the Lord. We have seen it, and we're not running away. We're not abandoning you. And Thomas, to his credit, at least kept showing up, right? When he showed up, he didn't think Jesus was going to turn up again. He showed up because there was that community that meant something to him. 
that extended the welcome to him. We have seen the Lord. What does the kingdom look like for us when we leave the Easter lilies? And I know you all have an answer to that, but I'm just encouraging us on this, the Sunday after Easter, when there's more than enough seats in the church. Here at St. Joe's, you've got this, I think, amazing program, Communities for the Kingdom. There's a reason why it's called that. That's what the kingdom looks like. And if you're not in one of those yet, man, you don't know what you're missing. Get in one. Who's ever hosting those things, their living room can handle a few more. And yours can probably handle a lot more. Start one yourself. But even if you don't do that, it's the basic dynamic which has worked since the year 33, and it works all the way to this day, and it'll work long after we're gone from the scene. Force yourself to name what the kingdom looks like for you, and then pray for the courage and the encouragement to find one of those people who was here last week, who isn't here now, because you know who they are, and so do I. Maybe they came with you. Maybe it's someone you work with. Maybe it's someone in your family. Give them a reason to expose the lie which says, why bother? I got plenty of distress, and I feel no sense of endurance from going and standing in an overcrowded mass. You and I know what the kingdom is. Our job now, and for the rest of this year, is to share it.